your brand is just your story. That's it. And branding is storytelling. That's the easiest way you can ever break down a brand is it's just your story. It's the one thing other people can't copy. They can copy everything else, but your story, they didn't live it. They don't have it. So your job as a a person as a brand, whatever it is, is to tell your story in a unique way that aligns the things that have happened in your journey that make you the most uniquely situated person to help your prospect in the world. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, the inbound evangelist himself, Dan Moyle. Welcome to the Storytellers Network podcast. I'm your host, Dan Moyle, and I'm so glad that you are listening to today's show. Uh, in this episode, we hear from an award-winning director, agent, author, songwriter, storyteller extraordinaire. In fact, he's a five-time Emmy winner for directing and producing several short films. Uh, he also co-wrote the book Story Selling, which is actually how I got to know him. Uh, I read the book. I loved the idea. I watched the documentary Car Men because of it, and uh, I even wanted to hire him for a project with a company that I no longer work for, but... I couldn't get the budget for it because it's not cheap, uh, but totally worth it. So, so instead of that, uh, I get to actually interview him here. And today, Nick Nanton shares the, with the Storytellers Network, his storytelling craft, his take on video, and so much more. In other words, Nick shares his story. And as we get into the conversation, just a quick reminder, find us online at thestorytellersnetwork.com for more episodes, for how to contact us, and uh, for other resources and help to help you tell your story. And if you like what I'm doing here, please leave a review. It does help me reach new storytellers. Now, let's get to the stories. So thanks for joining me today, Nick. I uh, really appreciate you being on the show, man. Uh, how's it going? Doing great, man. I'm actually just back from uh, uh, five days of fishing in Alaska with some other uh, some other cool guys uh, you might know. I was with Joe Polish of Genius Network and Dave Asprey of Bulletproof and a bunch of other guys. It was a good time. That's awesome, man. Alaska. That's fantastic. So where is, where is back to? Where, where are you yeah, located? So I'm, I'm in a little town called Winter Park, uh, just outside of Orlando. And uh, this is home. Everyone thinks I live in LA, but I live in Orlando. So, <laughs> so you can really be a storyteller from anywhere then, can't you? Yep. Yep. Excellent. Right on, man. Cool. Well, uh, so uh, do you consider yourself a storyteller? Were you surprised when I said, hey, will you be on this show called The Storytellers Network? Uh, interesting question. Um, I guess what I described, like I was just thinking, if someone asked me what I do, would I say I'm a storyteller? No, I really wouldn't. So yeah, I, I get the context, but I would, um, so I'm not surprised, but it's funny. It's just not, that's not language I normally use, but I do talk about, I, I help people share their story. Um, I guess most of the time I don't focus on what I do and I, I sort of direct and produce and I, I would say that the way I describe it, I create media that facilitates conversations and that could be for commerce or it could be for a cause or, or a donation to a cause. So uh, it, it's within the realm of my vocabulary and actually, if I'm being honest, for a while I used uh, the title that I was the chief storytelling officer at the agency here. So I, I, it's, not far, it's not far from what we talk about. I, I like the idea that you create media that facilitates conversation. That's a really great way to put it, man. That's awesome. Thank you. And I'm going to try to shut off this iMessage so it stops <laughs> beeping every eight seconds. So That's funny. You're a busy guy. Um, 
whatever. It's all good. It happens. All right. I'm just trying to mute. Sorry. Go ahead, man. Keep going. No, that's cool. Um, so, so you and I, I said in my intro, I got to know you through the story selling book and the whole idea of making these stories for, like you said, companies, causes, whatever. Um, so you consider yourself a, a filmmaker and I would say that you're a filmmaker, even short documentaries and all these things, but you also make videos in air quotes. And that's what this season's about. Is that the same thing to you? Is making videos the same as being a filmmaker or what distinguishes that for you as a storyteller? Huh? Um, yeah, I would, yeah, I would say as a, I mean, I would say I'm a filmmaker just cause I've made a bunch of films. Um, you know, one of the cool parts about this interview, I guess, and, and just the conversation is I'm not a, I'm not a, like I said, I'm not an LA guy at all. And I've done plenty of stuff in that world, but I'm sort of an, I'm an outsider when it comes to that world because I don't, I don't live in LA. I don't work, do the traditional studio routes. I don't do anything else. So yeah, I mean, I, the only reason I would consider myself a filmmaker is because I've made over 50 documentaries, you know, uh, some might call me a documentarian. You know, I, I call it a filmmaker because I believe that the movies we make, uh, our movies, they're just real. And so, you know, when you watch the style of stuff we do, um, it is very different to most of what I would call the talking head sort of doc stuff you see out there. Yeah. And then so, so I want to, I want to dive into that a little bit. You, the movies that you make. So I, I discovered you through, like I said, story selling the book. And then I watched car man. And yeah. man, what a, what a great story. Do you, why do businesses need a film like car men in this information age? It's funny. I was, um, you know, that's probably the, it's either the second or third film I ever made. Um, and it was just a client. I said, Hey, this worked really well in this other con- context of the first film I made Jacob's turn about a little boy with down syndrome, trying to raise money for an awareness for you know kids with special needs. I was like, I know this would work for businesses. And so Tracy Myers, as you got to see is a great personality, great guy. I'm like Tracy, let's try it. And the weird thing about that, the weird, weird now, not weird at all. Then when I did those, um, originally, um, I, we had one phone call with Tracy ahead of time, but I showed up just with cameras and no script or anything, like no story. And I don't, we don't ever have a script because you, don't, you can't script people, but nowadays, a big secret, everybody, if you're listening, I have an outline for everything because I am not, I don't enjoy research and writing. It's just not my pleasure. I enjoy learning and I enjoy sharing, but like the process of researching and writing is, is not for me. So every time I do an interview now or a doc or anything else, I have someone else do all the research and write it all up and then I review it so I, I know what I'm talking about. But that's there as Dan Sullivan, my coach would call it, their unique ability, it's not mine. I'm gonna stay in my lane. So I just showed up and just we just made the story that was in front of us and we did it in two and a half days, worked out. And um, you know that was again, second or third, we've done 50 something now. Uh, the one I'm, I'm most proud of at the moment, I think will be for a long time, is uh, when we made an Operation Underground Railroad uh, about human trafficking. We did a, a raid, we raided the biggest sex trafficking ring in Haiti the yeah. special forces and, and freed you know, a bunch of kids and, and other stuff. And uh, that's out right now. People can watch it for free at OURfilm.org. That's like OURfilm.org if they want to see sort of where we've progressed to in storytelling. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we dig into the real story. Why does a business need one? Well, for instance, I'm, in, uh, I'm, I'm coached by uh, Dan Sullivan, the top entrepreneur coach in the world. He's the founder of Strategic Coach. Um, I, I practice what I preach. I believe that everyone needs coaches, right? I mean, I, I spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on personal development, being parts of different groups, being mastermind and networking groups and other things. Uh, and that's like a real number. Oh, I, I know for sure over 200,000 a year for the last three or four years. Right. Mm-hmm. And 
Sounds like a lot of money. It is, but it's an investment. If I wasn't getting returns, I wouldn't do it. But someone asked me uh, on this fishing trip, like, hey, because I had to go yesterday, I actually was in Chicago, went going to my strategic coach group. And the guy's like, oh, you're going home. Like, man, I really, I want to, but I, this is my quarterly day to go to this group coaching and it's sort of the only day I can go. It's like, do you think that really works? Like most of these coaches who just are coaches and never had a business. And, and I mean, interesting conversation because there are a lot of those. Uh, and I said, no, no, uh, Dan is, you know, the real deal. I said, you know what? I made a movie on Dan. Let me send you the movie. And if you have any questions, you can let me know. But you will know instantly that Dan is the real deal. And for me, that was so, not only is it great for me because I made the movie, it shows my skill set, which is nice. But I, I would do that no matter whether I made the movie or not. If it was good, it's such a helpful tool for me to, um, to help people understand, you know, um, why people do things more than what they do. And I think it's, it's the biggest trust building mechanism I've ever seen. It, it's powerful, isn't it? So to sit down and watch a, a, a movie, a film, a video, a, a story play out in front of us, we are such visual creatures. Yeah. That's so powerful. So I want to go back to the, the Operation Underground Railroad film. So first of all, like total serendipitous here. My friend April was just talking to me and my wife, Sonia, about this the other night and talking about her. She is all in with this group now. She she loves their mission. She was floored by all the facts. She watched your film and okay. was telling us about it. I was like, you got to watch it. So now I have that I might to do list this week. So that's funny that it's, that it's not funny, but like how amazing that it's your film. What is, what is it that you loved about that making that film so much? And so, cause originally I wanted to ask you about, about Carmen, cause that was yeah. what I knew you as, but, but the one that you're most proud of right now is this operation underground railroad. What is it that moved you so much about telling that story through video and not just like, you know, some tweets and some photos and a blog post. How did that, why did that move you so much? Nick? Yeah. So, uh, so the story is pretty funny. Um, I well the movie is not pretty funny but the story is is interesting that I met so Russell Brunson is a, a amazing guy an amazing marketer he's he's the founder of ClickFunnels if any of you heard of that marketing yeah. software and I cannot get this ringing to go off so sorry about that but we'll deal with it uh, so the he called me and he said hey I've been trying to figure out how to work with this organization to help them promote their cause it's human trafficking and the, the numbers and the whole, the stats blew my mind. And I was trying to think about writing books. And he said, and, and uh, Russell's a really spiritual guy. He's like, I was praying and your name came to me. He's like, so I was like, I'll call Nick. And I had met him. Uh, I'd known of Russell. And I think he'd known of me, but we met when I premiered a movie I made on Peter Diamandis. I've ever read the book Bold or uh, Abundance. Peter's an amazing guy. He launched the XPRIZE, the first private space flight about 10 years ago. Um, I made that movie that's it's on PBS right now. It's aired a thousand times last year on PBS called Visioneer. It's on Amazon and iTunes and all that too. But Russell was at the premiere of that when we premiered it at um, Joe Polish's Genius Network event. And Russell's like, man, I love what you do with documentaries. Tell me more. And we started talking. And then I think it was about four years later, my name came to him and he said, hey, would you make this movie? I'm like, well, first of all, I, uh, if, if God gave me this ability to make movies and shed light on things, and I said no to this, like, there's a very special place in hell for me. Uh, so, of course, I'll do it. And then he, you know, he agreed very kindly and gracefully to fund it. So when he asked me what I needed to do and everything. And then, um, you know, it just, the thing we agreed to, we, we agreed to two things. We had to break one of the agreements. I'll tell you why. The first thing we agreed to is like, like, let's not tell this story if we can't find hope in it. Because like me, I don't, by the way, I don't spend, I don't do documentaries on negative things typically because I can't, with my mindset and what I'm trying to accomplish in the world, I just can't wallow in something super negative for nine months or 12 months or like, it's just, it's just too much. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm probably worse than other people who can do that. I'm not saying I'm better because these, there's many things that need lights needs to be shed on them. But what I said is Russell, I'll do it. And he asked me first and I was like, Oh, thank God. That's the only way I would do it. He's like, but we got to find hope in him. Like, yeah, if we can't find hope, I mean, there's so many people uh, raising awareness for the plights of the world and so few raising awareness of, of the solution, right? Like we can talk all day long about all the problems, but if you're not going to propose a solution, like that's not that interesting to me. So this is a hopeful solution. So that's one of the agreements we made. And the other one we made is like, Hey, we said, let's make a movie that we could share with our kids because like, it's a scary thing, but they got to know. And they, and we broke that one because at the end of the day, when we were filming and we did the raid in Haiti, one of our cameras, we strapped a GoPro to, so we all have bulletproof vests and everything. We strapped a GoPro to one of the raid officers, one of the Haitian special forces who went in the brothel. And during filming, um, he caught a, a John in the act of, of raping a minor. And it's a terrible thing. We didn't show it. We just put it on the screen during this, this happened. And we just turned it over to authorities. Very sad, you know, event. But there's so much I wanted to take out of that movie as, uh, you know, whatever your beliefs are, I, I'm a Christian, but no matter what, like so many things, like I was like, Ooh, like even bad language makes me cringe up. Not, I mean, look, I don't have the cleanest mouth all the time. <laughs> not gonna lie. But like, you know, I don't say things like that in, or write things like that. I don't, I don't want my movies to have that language in it because I would love for every movie I make to be able to be played at least at high school, right? Where like they could learn from these different motivational speakers and amazing people. And if there's language in them, it just sort of like, kills that um but but i kept those at the end of the day we had a long discussion and you can hear a lot about human trafficking or prostitution let's say like on a dr phil show but it's so sanitized that no one really pays attention so in order to get the payoff and the hope and the activation of the people like your friend who's now all in for this organization i literally had to show you how disgusting this really is or else it's sort of like yeah i've heard about that and we also agreed we wanted to make enough impact that we just had to go there and so we did so you know i i think it would be appropriate for you know i don't i mean 16 17 18 year old probably but not not kids my kids age or russell's kids age anyway. yeah yeah my daughters are 12 and 13 and it's like I just want them to know about it, man. It's so, it's, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for being a part of that. That's incredible. I can't wait to actually watch wow. it and say, hey, <laughs> um, that's awesome. So, so let's switch gears a little bit, Nick. Um, when, when you're talking about all these films, you're talking about making these, these movies for businesses. Celebrity branding is part of that, but it, is it a little bit different? Like that whole move of celebrity branding for personal brands, is that part of this whole thing too? Well, so celebrity branding really is. All right, so this will uh, this will break it all down and make your podcast make sense, and it'll even be a better answer to your first question. I say, so your brand is just your story. That's it. And branding is storytelling. That's the easiest way you can ever break down a brand is it's just your story. It's the one thing other people can't copy. They can copy everything else, but your story they didn't live it. They don't have it. So your job as a a person as a brand, whatever it is, is to tell your story in a unique way that aligns the things that have happened in your journey that make you the most uniquely situated person to help your prospect in the world. Like there's no one else who can utilize my story and help other people. They can't. So, so um, celebrity branding you was just, uh, was the first sort of outgrowth of I had been working with bands and celebrities in uh, college and right beyond that and became an entertainment lawyer 
even though I'd never wanted to practice law, I did it for a little while. But my business partner basically said, hey, you're building brands for young bands, what is it, managing and producing bands. And he said, you're basically creating everything from scratch and helping tell their story. You know, you should really do that for business people because then you could actually maybe feed your family. And so I said, that's a good idea. <laughs> so I did that. So Celebrity Branding You was our way of taking my experience in entertainment and and buzz building and PR and my business partner's experience in personal branding and direct marketing and tying them together as a proven system where any entrepreneur can step-by-step step take the steps to becoming, you know, the celebrity or nowadays the more popular terms of the thought leader in their field. So that, but everything in that book really is a version of telling your story in different mediums. So whether that's through blogs or through books or through whatever. And so the films just was an outgrowth of a, of a talent, I don't say a talent. I didn't know I had it. It's just a skill I learned, I guess, along the way. Um, that I'm. It's the most. You know, I would say books and movies to me are the most um, interesting. Not only platform builders, but storytelling mediums there are. And film is the most, uh, the most persuasive for sure, because you have the benefit of eye contact and you know situational settings. You have you can control story arc. You can control music. You, like you can you can get people wherever you want them to be by, by filmmaking. So. And, and when you talk about those different parts of a, of a film that bring you in the, the music, the um, photography of it, the camera movements that tells me that you're working with a team most likely. Am I right? Oh yeah. It's funny. And so I always like, I bet at like Thanksgiving dinner, my family, more than my extended family, um, they, they know sort of that I've won some Emmys and I, I'm a director, producer, but I would bet in their mind when I, they see me on Facebook out on a shoot, they think I'm probably operating the camera. They probably think I wrote the thing. They probably think I edit the thing. I don't do any of that. It's sort of like, uh, you know, it's like the, you ever seen the movie Office Space? Mm-hmm. Years ago, mm-hmm. the, the boss is like, so what exactly would you say you do around here? And uh, that's what they could ask me in a fair question. But I really put together, I, I, I find the stories or people ask me if I'm interested in making them. We make decisions. I, I make sure what sort of uh, funds it'll take to do it. And then I put the team together. I, I Most of my movies, I, I do say 95% of the interviews. We're now getting, I could just um, sign a deal for an eight-part series. And so we're getting busy enough where – I will be in charge of all shoots and all the movies and the end products and the story and all that. But I'm, I will be doing, I won't be able to do 95% of, you know, the interviews when there's eight different episodes going on at the same time and all that. But, um, but yeah, I, I sort of, I run the production and everything. Let's put it at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's, it's my butt on the line, whether it, it comes out good or not. And so I do control a lot of it in between. And I'd like to think that my, my mood and my attitude and my style dictates who I even hire to help me tell the story because we have similar, we process things similarly. And most of my crew, by the way, um, are, are, are guys I've now been filming with pretty exclusively for seven or eight years. So like all my shoots, there's a group of like 10 guys that I typically travel with four and there's a group of 10 guys who've just been working together over and over and over. And I mean, I, one of my, one of my cinematographers is the host of a new, he has a new show coming out, but he's also, uh, he's one of the main, uh, personalities on the show Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. He's an Egyptologist. And the other one, uh, one of my other cinematographers is the host of a show called All the Pizza. He's from Italy. And he had, so it's like a group of, it's like a traveling band of gypsies and we have a great time together. <laughs> so is that like you've, you've built that trust over the, over the years in order to be able to rely on them to tell your story, your vision then, huh? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And I, I mean, again, uh, Dan Sullivan, I don't want to get too far into that, but I'll give him credit for it. Talks about a concept called unique ability and unique ability. Sort of the problem with the, the 
in general attitude or one of the problems with the world is we've we've learned about this concept of of we've sort of been duped into uh, most of us have our unique I might as well just tell you the whole thing why not all right yeah. so most of us have been like we like at two or three or four years old um, you know you said you have kids and, and I do and, and most of us remember even if you don't have kids that sort of some of your talents start to come through like you're either a little bit funny like your parents will laugh at someone or like you're really cute or you're really assertive or you're really artistic you're whatever and and you're very much encouraged in it up until you hit about the age of five when they shove you in this assembly line of the education system i'm not knocking education it's a great thing but a teacher who has to make 30 ducklings she needs them all to do the same thing or she can't handle them so yeah. you get sort of put in this old sort of uh industrial system to teach you a bunch of things and you basically then you go through school and so basically they beat those talents out of you in some way for the next like you know, 15, 16 years more if you go to grad school and all that sort of stuff through college, then you get out of college and you get a job or you find a career where you're trying to pay off all the money you borrowed to be in school and you do that until you're about 65 and then you, you try to buy back the freedom from 65 until when you die that you, lost, that you already had in your life when, until you were five. So the whole sort of problem with this deal is that much of it is just based on um, delayed uh, joy of life and other things. And so Dan Sullivan teaches, Hey, as an entrepreneur, you know, the, we all seek these, these four freedoms, freedoms of time, relationships, money, and I always forget the other one, but you get the point. That's what we seek in as an entrepreneur more than anything is freedom. Like we want to do, want to help people want to do what we want to do, but we want freedom. Like we don't want to sit in a desk in a cubicle for nine hours a day just because someone tells us we can. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just, I can't do it. It's just not me. And so, Dan talks about part of the problem is that the world has sort of been been conditioned to try to get to this thing called retirement. But really, if you just were to work on figuring out what your unique ability is, and, and, and that means pairing everything you do down, ideally, to one thing. And so Dan Sullivan say his unique ability is having great conversations. And anything he does, it better start with a great conversation. And, and that's all he does. So he does workshops. All it is is an a all-day conversation with 20 to, well, more like 40 to 60 people like me who paid between 25 to 50 grand to be in the room, just depending on what group you're in. It's very valuable, but to him, it's his unique ability having a great conversation. So because it's his unique ability and he loves doing it, you're more motivated to do it. You never get tired of it. It's your unique ability. And so it's very hard to figure out what that is. So you have to pare down. You have to think about things. What do I hate doing the most? And how do I get those things off my plate? And what happens is when you when you do that, it's much like remodeling a kitchen. If you replace the countertops, you realize the cabinets need to be repainted. Once the countertops and cabinets are done, then the walls need to be redone, and then you got to rechange the appliances. So as you start pairing off all these little things you don't like doing, things that didn't cause you as much friction before, now are, now are the things that cause you friction, so you just keep removing those. So part of the basis of his program is working through those things one quarter at a time because you're seeking this thing called unique ability. So... You know, that's, that's really the secret, I think, to all this is that is, um, is finding that unique ability so that you're, you're not, you just want, it's all you ever want to do, right? Now, now, the great news, I don't even remember the question, but that was my answer. <laughs> well, so, so I think of storytellers as, you know, if, I, if I'm a writer, I'm going to sit down and write my book. If I'm a, you know, a, a, a video maker, I may sit down and make a video where I'm just looking at the camera. But really, you, you are a storyteller who works with other creatives, and so you're finding their unique abilities and pulling that's out of going. them, right? Yes, that's exactly where I was going. I was going, great, yeah. thank you for bringing me back around. Yeah. So yeah, I, I rely on my team's unique abilities because, so I'm, I'm three pages into this, 
this book I'll tell you about, which means I'm very qualified to teach it. Um, <laughs> it's called uh, Da Vinci and the 40 Answers. And uh, the first three pages are fascinating. And I'll tell you what I got out of the, the, the first three pages. Um, he talks about uh, the difference between control and freedom. And there's people who see control. And this is my paraphrasing because I probably need to go back and read it. But here's what I got out of it. People who see control desire to create everything in their business, their life, their relationships that they, that they want. Like they seek control to get what they want. Hmm. That's one type of person. There's another type of person who seeks freedom. And they seek the freedom to do what they want to do. But they also understand that it's not about controlling other people. It's about freeing them up to do what they do uniquely. And at the end of the day, I would bet that the outcome of those who seek freedom is far greater than the outcome they can imagine when they try to control it because they're allowing, uh, they're allowing other people to do what they do really well. So the things, the angles my cinematographers come up with, like I've seen enough angles now I can find a, a good angle, but the reason I have them is because they can usually find one I never thought of. Mm -hmm. And they're, that's, I give them the freedom to do that. And that's, and that's why it works. So yeah, I, I give them the freedom to utilize their unique ability, which allows me the freedom to use mine. The more you get meddled up in other people's crap, man, the less time you have to do the things you want to do. It's, it's just how it happens. And did you find yourself uh, evolving into that then? Did that take a lot of work to go from a single storyteller to trusting in a team and letting them find their unique, uh, their unique abilities? No, I mean, honestly, from the first time, because I'd done enough other things like making records, right? I made albums and I wasn't great at mixing records. I'm, I'm, I'm a decent songwriter and I, I actually have a songwriting deal in Nashville, so I write a lot of country music. But over the years, like I was, I could found that I had a, a, a decent knack and talent for songwriting. I could even engineer like the audio engineering of recording. I even learned how to record like drums and acoustic guitars and, and a lot of stuff. Some stuff I need some help with. But when it came to mixing it for like the final mix of an album, um, I just couldn't figure it out. It just wasn't for me. And maybe if I powered through it, I could have figured it out, but it wasn't for me. So I would utilize, and oh, and I wasn't as good of a guitar player as my buddy, or I wasn't as good of a singer as my other buddy. So if I want to demo one of my songs, I bring them all in because they were better than me. When I started doing, wanting to make my first film that I wanted to just try, I knew, I knew what the equipment was that I needed, but I knew that I didn't have, I knew I could probably make something okay, but I knew this guy who was really good at this, and if I pulled that guy in, so it was really just, from the beginning, it was, it was honestly a recognition of my own weaknesses. And if I wanted to create the quality product that I wanted to do, I had to have help. And so that was super easy because I, I couldn't do it myself. I needed help. Uh, very wise. <laughs> very wise. So gosh, Nick, you, you've got, you've got films, you've, you talked about writing, creating an outline. You may not love writing, but you love to learn uh, songwriting. What's your favorite way to tell a story? Does it depend on the story or like, do you have a really a favorite way? Man, it depends. Yeah, it, it, I would say it depends on the story, but that's not probably even a fair answer. I mean, I mean, songwriting and, and, and movie making are two of my absolute favorite things. Um, you know, songwriting is just so unique because like, I write with other writers who are paid professional writers every day in Nashville. So typically, uh, uh, writers in Nashville typically write two songs a day, five days a week. They write usually 10 and three or 10 and four, 11 and four. So you get two rights a day, you get in the rooms with different guys who you know, or you've been introduced to, and you, you're three to four people typically are, are working together collectively to try to try to make a song. And it's a really fun collective process because we're all trying to do the same thing, but you're doing it. You only got three minutes, you know, it takes you four hours to write a three minute song. If you're lucky, you get one done and it's decent. It takes about another day or two to realize, was that a piece of garbage or is that decent? Cause you're so in it, right? You're, um, but yeah, so that's just this amazing, super fun collaborative process, but making movies is really cool because you can, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I know when I start out 
the potential of the movie. It's very much like having a kid. You know it's going to be awesome. You know that you have like an outline, like a sonogram of it, ultrasound, but you really don't know what that adult's going to be until it turns into an adult. Um, that's a cool thing about a movie. I know I've got great raw ingredients, but it's just enough um, of an addiction. My brother's a psychiatrist, and he says there's a reason people are addicted to, to slot machines, not vending machines, and it's because the outcome, you don't know the outcome. The vending machine, you know exactly what you're going to get. Um, I'm addicted to the outcome of the movies because I do everything I can to deliver to my team what they need. And then this thing that is, I mean, thankfully my editors, my cinematographers, my, they're awesome. So the end product is always awesome. So I'm like, man, I'm so glad we did that. Cause that's cool. Right. And it's just utilizing their unique abilities to do something. You know, the, the sum of the parts is greater than, you know, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you tell somebody who considers themselves a storyteller and they're not exactly sure what they're doing? You know, we're talking about, you know, season one for me was writers. Season two was podcasters. Now I'm in video creators. Next season's social media storytellers. So I'm really trying to explore, but nobody seems to have one thing they do. What's, what would be your advice to a storyteller if they're kind of developing their story? Where would they start on, on, on like a medium? I mean, just try it all. Like, that's a great question. Um, I would say start with the medium you're, you're comfortable with and excited about. And of course, there are, there are mediums that take more resources than others. Like it takes a lot less resource typically, I would think, to sit down and write a blog or a book than it would take to create a movie. But there's also, if you think you have a knack for telling stories through audio or through video or whatever, there are also other people who have gifts that aren't commercially there yet that will probably help you if you're putting together a team trying to create something that gives everyone in the team value you can probably find some people willing to help out you know th those can blow up in your face too but hey we've all had that happen it's just about finding the right people you just don't know until you do it you know yeah. Uh, so I, yeah i would just say i always tell people just go start moving in the direction that you're excited about because if you're excited about it like that's what you're going to talk about you're going to those conversations and your subconscious is going to lead you to places that if you're not excited about it, you never get to. Yeah. Amen. And, and so the other thing is if, if I think that video might be what I want someday, but I'm kind of afraid of it. Cause that's a thing that I used to run into when I was in um, marketing for, for Amera first, when we first met the loan originators were like, yeah, video is great, but I just, I don't know. I don't want to do it. Or when I was in news and you'd go man on the street interviews and people would say, well, yeah, I witnessed whatever this is you're talking, but I don't want to go on camera. Yeah. How do you coach somebody through that? Who's kind of afraid or unsure of the video um, world of storytelling? The best thing I would say is, look, there's, there's a few easy things you probably learn on YouTube or anywhere else that can make you look good or not. Right. Um, and whatever, but that's usually self-consciousness. But the way I usually get anyone over that stuff is like, well, look, there's two ways we can approach this. If you witness that, or you know this about mortgage, let's say, do you think if people knew what you knew, it would help some help somebody? And if the answer is yes, then you need to get over yourself and you need to do it for other people. And once you start doing it to serve others and you realize that you're doing video to serve others, then you no longer have to think about yourself because it's not about you. So your only job, if you believe in it, is to be a messenger. So who cares that it's video? It's just a medium. If you think what you can do will help other people, then get out of the way because it's not about you. It's about those other people you want to serve. That will usually fix someone's attitude in that particular Serving others, man, that's huge. <laughs> that's awesome. What do you think, Nick, is one of your biggest challenges when it comes to storytelling? 
I mean, it sounds, uh, like, sounds, like, sounds like sounds to me like you've got it easy. You got a great team. You had great success. You used to do you know, music. You still do. Like, man, you got you got a charmed life. But what what is it that, that really challenges you and all that? Um, hmm. I'm always looking for great stories, and and great stories cost money. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm always uh, putting together packages to to put movies together. I don't at this point I don't take investors because. I have not found a lot of profit on the back end after we make the movie I want to make. Um, so I, my clients and, and others who get involved typically just, they pay the money for experiences uh, and they, they, they get all sorts to get to come to shoots and all sorts of cool stuff, but I don't sell investments, but I'm always looking for people who want to want to learn and go for the ride and journey and see that. So that's always um, an issue. And then obviously, I mean, getting, getting every film seen is a challenge. I mean, you can make, you know, I make the best movie in the world. I mean, I would bet many people listening here. I mean, I don't think I, I haven't seen the movie that won the Oscar for movie of the year last year. Like in it, like won the Oscar. It's like, it was a big deal. Everyone knows about it. I, so like getting people to consume the content you create is just, you know, and we are, um, you know, there's more and more of it thrown at us every day. So that's a challenge I would say, but you know, I think you just gotta, I don't know. I just, I don't worry about it too much. I just keep working through it. And, and hopefully one day, Enough people will say, "Man, I like that movie Nick made. I wonder if he made anything else." So, I mean, I like that one too, and maybe they'll watch a bunch of them. Who knows? But Absolutely. That's a yeah, that's a that's a big challenge. That that uh, that content overload. You know, we are we went from the agricultural age to industrial revolution to now the information age, and man, it's all out there. Um, yeah. I think it's a big challenge for a lot of people is figuring out where they want to go and how. So that's that's good advice. Like, I like that. What what is um what is a life changing story for you? Is there a story that has that you've heard or seen or experienced that really change it all for you? Man, there, there's been so many things that just have become a part of who I am. Um, so, I mean, like that, obviously the Operation Toussaint movie about Operation on the Ground Railroad, number one, just learning and seeing that process and the people who risked their lives every day to go do raids and rescue these kids. I just did a film about um, called uh, A New Leash on Life, The Canines for Warriors Story. Um, it's about rescue dogs. They turn into service dogs, and they train them, and they give them to, to wounded warriors with PTSD, and it, it, they go through life together, and they literally save each other's lives. Just seeing, seeing that process and learning by interviewing the soldiers and the warriors who, you know, we've all heard the stats of, was it, 21 suicides a day, and I didn't really understand why, and, but then just getting to understand and see what they go through and why it turns into suicide – you know, really it's because they think they're ruining their family and friends' lives because they can't, they can't operate the level they want to. So if they would just commit suicide, they would be sad for a little while, but they could at least, it would be the most, in their mind, it would be the most unselfish thing they could do so everyone else could get back to life. Now, that's a really, that's twisted, but they're in a place where that seems like the only hope. And so these dogs give them back hope and give them their lives back. So I would say, I mean, every story I tell, whether it's about, Jack Canfield wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul books. I did his movie. It's on Amazon iTunes. I did Brian Tracy's. You heard of Brian? Like, I take every every movie. I take pieces for and and they affect my life because everyone I'm around uh, has a, a, a level of wisdom, whether it's about business or life or experience that I don't know. So I, I it's hard to say one, but I I try to just learn from every movie I make. I, I hear you say story story connects us and stories change us and that's so that's so good to be open to that right yeah i mean you know if, if you're not again it's, it's the whole freedom mindset if you're trying to control everything that, like i don't i know many people who control their schedule down to like 15 minute increments i'm not knocking it 
I can't do that. Like I want freedom throughout each day. I mean, I have appointments like we schedule time for this and I'm going to do it, but I don't want to be back to back to back to back to back. Today's a little nuts because I just came back from five days, like literally no service. Um, but I, but I, I want to have, I want the freedom in my schedule for things I didn't even know were going to come up to come up so that I can explore them and go, okay, let's yeah. Call me. Let's talk about that. Right before this, Jay Abraham called me. I'm working on a movie about Jay and Jay's an amazing guy, amazing marketer. I want to have time in my schedule for that. I mean, and I didn't know that was going to happen. Right. So whatever it, it just, I just really believe in sort of that, the freedom formula. Yeah. That's cool. What do you, what do you think sets one of those stories apart from others that might be similar? You know, if you're talking about like the canines, I mean, there, there are other organizations that maybe have a similar story, but what sets that story apart as a, a great story that, that turns your crank to go tell it? I mean, the thing that always, whenever I'm setting out to tell a story, if you want to dig into almost any story, it's typically a great story if you dig into the people. Because it's like overall, it's about this, this epidemic. But the fascinating part about it is the people because their stories are unique. They're, I haven't, you know, all, we covered three warriors in this and all three of their stories are unique. I'm sure if we would have had the time and we covered the dog stories too, they'd all be unique and probably fascinating too. Um, but it's just, you know, it's just getting, I like people. I like to know what drives them, what makes them tick, what it, what it, what have they been through in life? What, what can I learn from them? So once, anytime you dig into the people in any story, it gets exponentially more fascinating because it, because we can all relate to that. We're like, Oh wow. Now that's, and, and they have a different story than I have. So uh, that's what makes them different for me is just the people. The people. Um, so you, you love story, obviously you're very good at it, but if somebody said to you, all right, Nick, you can only tell one last story and then you're done telling stories. What would that look like for you? I tell them no. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's uh, a good story. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I would love at some point um, to find a way to, to tell, uh, I mean, just based on my faith, the story of the gospel in a way that's really digestible, you know, and uh, not that God didn't do a good job with the Bible. It's just, you know, it's, I even find it hard to read, you know, it's just a lot of it's just archaic language. And so, you know, without changing the spirit of it or the message or whatever, uh, I would love to find a way to tell that in a, in a digestible format. And even if it wasn't digestible to any, everybody to some portion of the world that was more digestible than the current format. That's a great answer, man. I love it. It's, it's funny. I, I did not set out to create a faith-based podcast, but so many people I talked to have strong faith in some way. And that's just, yeah. that's awesome, man. God, God, God is good. So yeah, we got to have faith in something, man. You yeah. know? And so it's like at the end of the day, like I have many friends who are, non-believers or atheists or people of other religions, but you know, when, and I, that's totally cool. I love it. I mean, I, I, Jesus taught me, said to love them. That's what I'm gonna do. And so, uh, and, and not that I'm better than them or more right than them, whatever. But the thing that anytime you get down to it, people have faith in something because what the first Adam created more atoms, like, no, you, you, you're having faith in something happened. You just don't, you just don't, you have science to get to the end of your rope and I have a different way of getting there. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome, Nick. Well, man, thanks so much for your time today, brother. Where can people find you the easiest? And I do. I believe in science too, by the way. Just saying. So you know. Oh yeah, of course. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Science, <laughs> science came from faith. Thing. So uh, yes, um, but I think God created it. That's the difference. All right, uh, you can go to nicknanton.com. You can find all sorts of stuff. You can sign up. I think you can get a free copy of Story Selling there if you can download it. Um, nicknanton.com. Or a lot of people like the audio book of Story Selling. It won, I think, Business Audio Book of the Year. Um, anyway, uh, you can find me online. You can Google me. I'm not hard to find as long as you spell my name right. Yep, absolutely. We'll have that in show notes, man. Cool. All right, Nick, I appreciate your time today, brother. Thanks for having me. Take care. 
Thank you so much to my guest, Nick Nanton. Be sure to visit him online. You can find all those links in the show notes. And hey, if you enjoyed the episode, please consider sharing it all over the place, social media, send it to somebody in a text, email it, just tell somebody on the street. I really appreciate all that sharing going on. And if you really like what we're doing, uh, what I'm doing here with the Storytellers Network, please consider leaving a review over on Apple Podcasts. In fact, uh, here's a review from Dan Grimes. He says, Dan Boyle has truly hit the head nail on the head with the Storytellers Network, offering a continuously valuable source of knowledge and inspiration. And that's the key that I like. Uh, for storytellers and beginners alike, I'll be listening for life. Thank you so much for that, Dan. I do hope you're still listening uh, and, uh, and enjoying the shows. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Man, I am just... I had so much fun talking to Nick. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I cannot believe that he is the filmmaker behind uh, Operation Underground Railroad. Uh, April, thank you for telling me about that. I am excited. I'm not excited. I'm looking forward to digging into that. It sounds excited. It just sounds weird to say that. But um, I really appreciate you telling me about that. I look forward to digging into that and, and seeing that and seeing how we can help those children. So please, please go check out Operation Underground Railroad and check out Nick online. Uh, so there you go. Hey, until next time, here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers. Mm-hmm.